your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Hey, welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, I've already had my Built Bar this morning, so I have my energy. I'm ready to go. Uh, I went with peanut butter and brownie today. Cammy, uh, it's Flashback Friday. But before we get started on the show, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. Follow Cammy at Cammy and G. Follow the show, LO underscore Longhorns. And so it's Flashback Friday, Cammy. Wanted to, you know, with no sports going on right now, um, you know, NCAA has put together their three-phase plan to get um, sports back on the collegiate level. Uh, but with no sports, I wanted to kind of do a flashback where we're we're talking about some some things that happened, the the best moments, best athletes. Uh, so I wanted to kick it off with the t- with ten of the top wins in Texas football history. Let's do it. This should be good. Uh, I want to kick it off with the first game to discuss would be 1970. Um, you know, obviously before our time, obviously because you know I was I wasn't around until 1985. Uh, you're a little bit younger than me, so um, not too much. Not too much. I'm an 88 girl. 88. So you're still in the 80s, though. Uh, so in 1970, Texas was going into. Uh, the Cotton Bowl game as the number one team in the nation. They had won 19 in a row, 499 all-time victories. They would not be denied their 500th. Um, you know, late in that game, they were down 17-14 to, to Notre Dame, and James Street leads them on a 17-play drive, get a one-yard touchdown to grab the 21-17 advantage with just a minute left to play. Uh are you good with that, with that being one of the top games on there? Obviously, national championships should always be up there, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a big uh, game, obviously, a big stage to be on. But um, I like how in this list that we're going to go over has a lot of uh, historic games, I guess you could say, a lot from the 60s and 70s. So um, for some of these, it's kind of the first I'm hearing about. But uh, when you kind of break down how close the game was or what kind of comeback the Longhorns made at the end, it makes sense why they're on here. Yeah, the, the next game here that's listed, 1977, the Red River Rivalry. Texas beat Oklahoma 13-6. to What's interesting is uh, it's, it, Randy, uh, and I'm going to totally butcher this, but it's Randy McEachern. McEachern um, he was actually a spotter in the press box for the radio station. Um, but had to come to the Cotton Bowl field early in the second quarter because their two quarterbacks got knocked out of the game. Oof. Can you imagine having to no. pull somebody out of the stands to finish out a football game? Uh, the in- interesting part here is, you know, Oklahoma had won six straight games against Texas in the Red River rivalry heading into this game. And uh, in this game, Russell Erksleben connected on a 64-yard field goal. Holy the third cow. Lo- the third longest in NCAA history. He hit, he hit this this field goal, and Texas ends up winning 13-6. to six. Jeez. That, 
I mean, a 60-yard, 64-yard field goal is um, even hard in today's day and age. So, yeah, that's pretty important. Yeah, that, you know, that was tough because you look at it and you're like, I mean, if if a kicker lines up to do a 50-plus, you know, you get excited. Yeah, like, and, it, yeah. and it's kind of like a hit or miss at that point. Um, I guess like 50 or 55 and over is kind of a – you're just hoping for the best at that point. It's not really a for sure yeah. bet. Well, yeah, because you have to hit it just right. You have to have the right angle because if you kick it too high, it'll, you know, maybe it'll go short. Or um, if you just try to drive the ball, maybe it's too low, it gets blocked. There's a lot that goes into that. So, you know, I thought that was an interesting one. Let's hear the next one we're going to talk about here is 1964. Jeez. Texas 28, Navy 6. What was interesting about this game, Cammy? Um what? Navy was number two in the nation, led by the Heisman Trophy winning Roger Staubach. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. The so number two team by that much is obviously worth being on here in itself. Well, yeah. So, so the interesting part here is, you know, Texas was number one, obviously. Navy was number two. This was their first national championship ever. And uh, basically... Texas held Navy scoreless for most of the game. They didn't score until the fourth quarter when the game was well in hand. Wow. And so, you know, it's one of those dominating games uh, that you just can't deny how great it was. Um, now we're going to do a quick run through here. Uh, next game on here, 2005, uh, Texas 25, Ohio State 22. I remember this game. Uh, I feel like that game pretty much launched uh, Texas into the uh, national championship picture. That that was the game that started that historic run. Yeah, and that particular game is on many of the top 10 um, Texas football games, I guess, in history that I've read. So that's kind of one of the common games that kind of always appears on there, um, whether it's including these historic games or not. So obviously that was an important one. All right, next one, 1949, Texas 41, Georgia 28. Uh, Notable player in this game, the legendary Tom Landry, who rushed for 117 yards in that game um, as as Texas pretty much blew the doors off Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Like, when you go back and look at some of the historic games and you see these big names like Tom Landry and Roger Staubach and – you know, it's just amazing when you when you go back and look. I mean, obviously, yes, they played at college at one time, but it's nice to see how how these legendary players were at the collegiate level. Yeah, I know, and it's something you kind of don't think of because Tom Landry, especially um, as a coach, uh, was obviously a huge, I guess, staple um, within the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys and things like that. So uh, when you look back in their history, especially their collegiate career, and even before then, um, just to see how dominant of players they were or um, how talented of players they were, even if they weren't uh, too dominant at the time. But it's really interesting to see. Uh, next game. Uh this one was against Michigan in the Rose Bowl in 2005. So the year before mm-hmm. they win the national championship, uh, they go and beat Michigan late in that game. And Vince Young uttered the words, yes, sir, we'll be back. Yeah, that was um, kind of just as important as that Ohio State game to me. Yeah, it, it definitely was. I think that was the start of it. 1946, Texas 40, Missouri 27. Like I said, we're just going to run through these real quick. Um, 
The next one is uh, Texas over Oklahoma, 28-7 in 1963. Okay, Cammy. of course, this game, 2006, Texas 41, USC 38. Uh, I don't think we can say anything more on that game. I think we beat that horse to death. Yeah, that's one of the greatest college football games of all time. But I'm curious because that's not – is that not his number one game in Texas history? Because I, I feel I like that should be most people's number one game. I don't think he had it listed in order. He just put 10. Uh, Barry Werner, who wrote for you. Barry Warner, who writes for USA Today Sports, put this together. Uh, his last game he has listed here is Texas 15, Arkansas 14. Uh, number one, Texas was down 14 nothing in the fourth quarter, beat the number two team. Uh, I believe that was a national championship season or awfully close. But, uh, you know, that's, that's hailed as one of the, you know, best games of the, of the century. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of how close those two teams were. They were ranked. One and two, and you know, basically one point victory. Uh, was there any games in there that you thought were missing? Yeah, I think some of the more, I guess, recent games. I would add. I don't know in which particular order, but um, you can make an argument for two of the Red River rivalry games. Uh, like we mentioned, I believe it was two thousand eight when Jordan Shipley had that kickoff return. Um, obviously, they're both ranked, I, I believe, within the top five at the time. And then um, you could argue the one, the high-scoring one, with Sam Ellinger. Um, when Oklahoma had that dramatic comeback where Dicker had the game-winning field goal. You can also put in the last uh, matchup between Texas and Texas A&M. That can make an argument. Even though neither team was necessarily um, strong, um, they weren't really a a talented team that year, but obviously the rivalry was huge and it came down to the last-second field goal. So um, I think all three of those can make an argument. I I think you absolutely could make an argument for for any of those. Uh, Those are – uh, but I really like the list, honestly. I thought they were great. Uh, but coming up next, we are going to get into some more Flashback Friday talk where we remember a certain two-star athlete. Uh, but first, Kimmy, I want to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Now, Built Bar is changing the game as far as energy bars are concerned. They don't give you that chalky taste. They don't give you that that gritty taste. I don't need to wash it down with a gallon of water. Uh, great taste, gives me energy. I, lo- I I absolutely love the taste, the texture, all of it together. Try your your favorite players. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your first purchase. Get your box. Try it out. Let me know how good it was for you because I thought it was fantastic. Again, you can check out builtbar.com. Promo code locked on. Let me know. What you thought of it, let Cammie know, uh, and we'd love to hear about it. And uh, also follow them at bar underscore built on Twitter. Uh, Cammie, Flashback Friday continues as we talk about Eric Metcalf. Let's do it. I feel like he's kind of underrated in terms of when we speak about success on the field um, in the past. So I'm excited we're talking about him today. Yeah, the the thing about Eric Metcalf, and it's really funny because – uh, I think a lot of people kind of forget about him because he was he played in the late 80s. Obviously, he went to the NFL in 1989. Uh, you know, in, in today's age, when people talk about great returners, you hear the names Devin Hester. Oh, yeah. You hear the name Darren Sproles. Well, let me tell you, for those who didn't get a chance to watch this guy, this guy was Darren Sproles before Darren Sproles existed, okay? Uh, he was a running back, uh, a 
very good receiver out of the backfield. And not only that, he was a great returner. One of only two players in NFL history with 7,000 yards from scrimmage and 7,000 return yards in the NFL. The other one is Darren Sproles. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's interesting to me that you had a guy, you have one of these guys who has that many yards, um, and he's not, and he's one of only two players in NFL history to do it, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous to me. And um, he was named to All Pro three times. He was a three-time Pro Bowler. He led the league in return yardage in 1990. Um, so I don't know why he's so underrated, or I guess um, overlooked in a sense. Um, in today's world, but yeah, his his resume is impressive. And it's not just that he uh, also holds the University of Texas record for outdoor long jump with a mark of twenty seven and eight inches, twenty seven feet and eight inches. He's a two time NCAA champion and a five time All American in track as well as what he did on the football field. One of those great two-sport athletes uh, that Texas has had time and time again. Yeah, and at least he's a part of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Um, but yeah, I think people should be a little bit more familiar with his name. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting because I was you know looking at it and I, you know CBS had had, had put out a, a video of him, um, you know, kind of remembering kind of remembering him and that kind of you know, spark the memory banks a little bit. I'm just going to be honest when I was a kid and, uh, and watching him in the NFL, I absolutely hated when my team had to go up against Eric Metcalf <laughs> because I knew my team was going to have a headache that day. Yeah. You know, it was very much the way that people felt about Darren Sproles. I was just going to say that when Darren Sproles played for the Eagles, obviously I'm a Cowboys fan. I hated every single time we played them. They would just, he would just find a way to um, just sneak through all these holes in our defense. And I'm like, it, it just seemed like he was unstoppable. And that, that's kind of how, you know, some people felt about uh, Metcalf. You know, what's interesting is uh, Metcalf was actually part of the trade. Uh, he got tra- he was with the Chargers at the time, was traded to Arizona along with two first round picks so that the Chargers can move up one spot and draft Ryan Leaf. Oh, yeah, that was a bad trade. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad trade, but I thought it was interesting. We've uh, seen our so, fair share of bad trades, though. So, yes, yes, we, yes, we have. Uh, so that made me think, Cammy, who would you say is one of the best two sports stars at UT? I'm going to give you a list of guys. You just pick one. Uh, Jamal Charles, John Burt, Marquise Goodwin, or Eric Metcalf. Oh, okay. So I would go, I would actually try and rate these here. So I would go Metcalf, Goodwin, Jamal Charles, um, and Burt. And the only reason I'm putting Goodwin above uh, Jamal Charles, because I think Jamal Charles uh, far and away was the best football player, but um, Goodwin was very fast in track. I even think he uh, qualified or went to the Olympics or something a couple of times. So, uh, Matt, yeah. yeah, Metcalf obviously was uh, good in track and football. So that's probably how I would rate them. I'd probably go Jamal Charles ahead of uh, Marquise just because he was the better all-around football player. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all opinion. I mean, you can pick, but uh, to me, those are those are the ones that stand out the most uh, as far as the two sports stars. 
Yeah, I agree. It's hard because Goodwin was probably better at track than and Charles was better on the football field. But um, I think Metcalf has to be number one because he was kind of uh, very strong at both. Yeah, he was very strong at both. So, you know, um, it's tough. I mean, Metcalf obviously was the best, I think, of all of them. Um, And and the guy that should be, in my opinion, should be in the uh, the NFL Hall of Fame. Right. What he was able to do, as we talked about. Uh, so it makes me wonder, Cammy. another question for you. On this flashback Friday, give me one player that you would love to go back and watch live. Cannot be a current player. You know, obviously it's flashback yeah. Friday. Uh, who is one player in the history of Texas athletics you would love to go back and watch live? If I gave you the keys to a time machine and you're like, All right, I'm going back to this, who would it be? Okay, especially knowing what I know now, but I'm going to surprisingly get off the football topic for a second. Um, I'm pretty much always talking about football players, current and past, but um, Kevin Durant would probably be one of my top just because when you add everything together in terms of his time at Texas, his professional career, and the name that he's made for himself, the university, and the sport of basketball in general is obviously huge. So I think it would have been cool to see him live. Okay. I can, uh, I can, I can dig that. I, I, I think that that would be a good one. Um, I'm gonna, I'm also gonna stay off of the the football track here, and I am going to say Roger Clemens. Oh my God! I was just about to guess that you're gonna say his name. Yeah, I, I was. I would say Roger Clemens. Uh, you know, I, I think he would have been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, big Texas guy. Uh, he, what people probably don't know is he was actually the first player to have his baseball uniform number retired at the University of Texas. Um, you know, if I go back and watch the 1983 College World Series, uh, you know, that, I think that would be fun. You know, that would that would be who I'd like to go back and watch because obviously I grew up, I grew up hating Roger Clemens <laughs> because he played for Boston and Toronto and the Yankees and in Houston. Mm-hmm. And I am not a Houston fan whatsoever. <laughs> and then he went back to the Yankees. But you know, I grew I grew up as a Rangers fan, obviously. And so seeing him constantly going up against my team, I I couldn't stand him. But you know, as somebody who can look back, I can appreciate the player that he is, and that's why I say I would like to go back and watch him win that that College World Series back in 1983. Yeah, that's a great pick. He'd definitely be one of my top five. All right, Cam, coming up next, we're going to get into the predicted win total for CBS and a kind of a look back at what some of the predictions were for last season. All right, Cammy. so recently CBS Sports put together their predicted win totals on Big 12 football. Obviously, Oklahoma was the number one team they had listed here at the top, of course. Shocking. They have Oklahoma going 11 1 and 8 1 in the conference. Uh, more importantly, they have Texas at 9 and 3 and going 7 and 2 in the conference. Hmm. What um, were their two conference losses? TCU uh-huh. and at Oklahoma State. <clears throat> I can see the Oklahoma State one, but I think Texas would probably beat TCU. Yeah, the, the thing they had here. Um, about they said, I just think that the Big 12's round robin format it's easy to get tripped up unexpectedly. So I have TCU pulling an upset in Austin in November. 
Uh, I don't think I buy into that as far as being tripped up. I mean, if they mm-hmm. if they get beat, they get beat. You know. Yeah, but you're. I, I don't think there's a sense of being tripped up. I think it's just you're not prepared or um, you're, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a out, quick turnaround. It, it could be a lot of things. Out executed. I mean, you know, I mean, there's games where um, with any sports team, I mean, when you watch and you go, they should win this game. And for whatever reason, maybe the players buy into it. Like uh, if we show up, we win, you know. I mean, there's different ways that you can look at it. But their wins here that they have, uh, they have them winning against South Florida. UTEP at K-State, Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Baylor at Kansas, Iowa State mm-hmm. with losses at LSU, TCU, and at Oklahoma State. Oof. Yeah, I guess the only one I think is realistic out of those is Oklahoma State. For some reason, I'm feeling pretty confident about LSU. Um, uh, TCU, I feel like we could beat. I think the two that I'd be the most weary about are Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yeah, those those are probably the two. Uh, I probably would have said Baylor, but I just feel like they're going to have a really down year this coming this upcoming season. Um, you know, with with the turnover, with the change, with mm-hmm. a whole new coaching staff after getting a whole new coaching staff not even what two years ago. Um, you know, I, I just feel like they're not going to be where they were a season ago. Um, so I, I went back and I looked at, and I went back to see what other media outlets put up for last year and last year they had texas going 10 and 2 on on most of them (laughs) i think i think most people thought uh or i guess i guess had too high of expectations last i mean well they came off they came off that victory over georgia it was hard not to right have that expectation level i mean they Uh won 10 games Uh, i believe they went 10 and 4 that season beat a Georgia team that was right there in the mix for the college football playoff, beat them. So you expected Texas to come out, you know, guns a blazing. And then, you know, for whatever reason, it just, it didn't happen. They played a hard fought game against LSU, but it, it just never felt like they put it all together. So it's interesting to see another nine-win prediction for this year, this upcoming season. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if, if that comes to fruition, or if maybe uh, they pick up one of those, turn one of those losses into a win that maybe they shouldn't, and you know, and and be in serious consideration for the college football playoff. Obviously, I think they got to beat Oklahoma twice to do it uh, to get to get uh-huh. in there. Um, so that that's that's where it's at right now. Uh, any any plans for the weekend, Cammy? Um, not too much. I mean, is there anything going on? I don't think there's really many uh, sporting events to watch on TV. So, pro- I don't even think there's many re-airs that I can think of off the top of my head. But I actually, um, on a personal life, plan to stain my back patio. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Cammy has turned into the DIY queen. In case you're wondering, um. Uh, yeah, there's really not a whole lot going on as far as, uh, you know, any re-airs. They had uh, – yesterday was kind of a big day because they finally released the NFL schedules. Uh, uh, so, I mean, there's re- there's really not anything to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to relax, spend some time with my kid. Um, she's finally coming back home after being away for a little bit with her mom. So, Yay. Um, yeah, so that's that's 
probably my weekend. I'm just going to just relax and spend time. And uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tell your smart device to play the latest episodes of the Locked On Big 12 podcast for Tammy and Patrick. And we will see you on Monday. Hook em.